What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been fishing. Did you go Green River? Yeah. How'd you do? That's what I'm getting ready to tell you about. Oh. First, let's. Did you uh, see John Bowl? I did not. He was there the night before. Uh, I was talking to him back and forth on Facebook. I'll tell you how it went. Let's get. Uh, let's go ahead and get it started, though. Cool. All right. I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast. Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everybody's doing great. And then today, we have a guest, <laughs> Wes Little. Hello. Wes, you're probably, uh, literally, I think you're our first guest since uh, March. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you're yeah. the first person we've actually had on since uh, COVID hit. Huh. So I feel uh, privileged. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you coming in. What's uh, <laughs> so in two weeks. If this was... Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's been a while. Readers probably going, hallelujah. Or yeah. the listeners are probably going, hallelujah. Yeah, they're back. <laughs> you've, been, uh, you've been on the podcast before, but go ahead and tell us your title and real quick what you do. Sure. I'm a biologist on the Migratory Bird Program. Uh, my main job responsibilities are running our banding program, doves, ducks, and geese. Uh, we ban those and then our dove field program. So... The regions take care of their fields on WMAs. We have a couple of private cooperator fields that we uh, lease for them, but coordination of the statewide efforts runs through me. So you're the uh, person responsible for slapping all that jewelry on those birds. That That's everybody, the main job. Yes, the fun part. They love that jewelry. They do. I tell you what, I would love to get a banded dove. And I see, I, I know that I never have. I wonder how many are thrown away each year because it's such a small band. Yeah. And a lot of people around. don't even know we band doves. You yeah. know, that's... A, so how many have been shot and the hunter just throws them in a pile and never some, notices? Did you band any this year? Yeah, we band somewhere between 1,000, 2,000 every year. A good year would be 1,500 to 2,000. Average would be closer to 1,000. So, um, and but I don't think I have a good chance of getting a band of dove because I mostly hunt Shelby County. And I think that where you band the doves are kind of Madison County is an area where you catch and band. We band all the way across the state. Okay. And so you definitely could. Uh, th so that's the neat thing about banding data is you see birds that just show up yeah. that from other banding stations. So I've caught them before um, in a, a site two or three counties over from where they were banded, and it could be the same year. It could be three or four, as many, you know, we had a bird this year that was, I think was either six or seven years, yeah. which is an old dove. Yeah, that's so, an old dove. But they move around, so you, yeah. you'd be surprised where they show that's up. That's pretty cool. I, uh, I want to get to the dove hunting because it's on the horizon and it's coming up september 1st at 11 a.m i got it jotted down here so i want to talk about that and that's why we got you on here you're the expert so maybe get a little forecast and um got a few questions for you but lee was asking about did i float the green river mm -hmm. um right before we got started so i want to go ahead and hit on i went fishing this past weekend lee went fishing this past weekend talk about that i had one i don't know if it's a frustrating moment or like an enjoyable moment but i'll tell you about the green river trip all right um, we put in, we did the dam to Roachville Ford. Oh, wow. Which is 12 and a half miles, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was thinking smallmouth, walleye, muskie. That's what I want to catch. So I went to Cabela's and I picked up baits. And then I went home and I sat on the couch and I pulled up your Blue Water Trails article, mm -hmm. which I have right here. Well, that's unfortunate. No. <laughs> well, no, this is a good Actually, article. Actually, that's, yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces I've done. This, uh, the Blue Water Trails article is really helpful. So I went to Cabela's and I picked up baits. And then I sat down and I started reading this, and I see in here where you have details, you know, and during this stretch of the river, there's a woody brush on the left that often holds musky, and then you gave the tip to throw traditional spinner baits because they don't get hung up in the brush as much. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'd been to Cabela's and bought a whole bunch of inline spinners, and I was kicking myself then. Because that, that's a really good point. If you're throwing into woody brush, you want to use a, a spinner bait with a... They've shocked up some big ones. 
Big Muskie yeah. in there before. Dave oh. Baker and Jay Arala now. So maybe if somebody's planning a trip, maybe read the Blue Water Trails before you mm -hmm. start getting ready for it, because <laughs> then you can buy the correct baits, and uh, that that's helpful. I mean, this honestly has a lot of info in it. The, the everything in the float's pretty much detailed, turn by turn and stretch by stretch. Well, that's why I try to do when, you know, when applicable. Some you know, and that's then, that's a great access on that stretch. That really helps. Yeah, you know? and well, it's twelve and a half miles, which is a pretty now, long float. I we updated that. I had a a, a reader say, hey, I did this on a machine plus the mile markers. She says it's maybe a mile longer than that, maybe it, more. That's right. what I was going to say. I think 12 and a half is pretty conservative. I th well, <laughs> we, we actually, um, on that, I wanted Obi. I think, did we change that? Or does it still say 12 and a half? 12.5. Okay, well, we need to. Update it. We need to change that. Yeah, yes. it, was a, it, was a, it was a long flow. It was a long day. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, the fishing started slow. And I'm not sure if it was just because it was a bluebird day mm -hmm. and, or what it was, but once we got probably halfway in, the fishing started to pick up. And of course, I was slinging this big musky rod around, throwing a you know a one pound bait in the water and just reeling my arm off, working it back through. Mm -hmm. And then Kristen's throwing uh, about a four inch Kitek swim bait. She was just trying to catch walleye and smallmouth and I was pretty much focused on musky. And then at one point, she's about 50 yards up in front of me and I hear, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I, she's just reeling, you can tell she's focused on something. I just knew exactly what it was. <laughs> and um, and then I saw her go to set the hook and she was like screaming with excitement and there was no fish on the hook. So obviously I was a little bit disappointed. I'd been casting my muskie rod all day, just wearing my arm out. And of course she had one nose to the tail of the bait, <laughs> follow it straight into the kayak. <laughs> and um, did, it, did it strike? She said, you know, she was looking at the fish. It's right there in front of her. She, she showed me how big it was with her hands. I'm guessing probably 35 or 37 inches, something like that. And she said that its nose was in just an inch behind her bait and following it in. And I told her that's exactly what they do. She said it kind of came up off the bottom, like it looked like a log floating yep. off the bottom. That's exactly what they do. And she said right when it got to the kayak, it, it opened its mouth and she saw like, you know, the strike and she set the hook but it didn't take the bait before she did it yeah. so she just got a little bit excited well it's easy to do yeah because i mean that's i've seen that exact same thing happen kayak fishing for muskie and they really do you're just looking at your bait reeling it through the water and next thing you know this like thing just emerges from the depths right below it and it, it'll get your heart going like i was excited i don't know how i feel about it because i was out there literally throwing my arm off all day and I didn't, I didn't see a muskie or get a follow. I should have just been throwing a swim bait. Yeah, that's a mistake mm -hmm. you made. Everybody I know that catches muskie are bass fishing. Yeah, well, that's yeah. they're throwing a rattle trap or a thunder yeah. stick or something. Yeah, no doubt. Trying to catch a bass. I rigged up a big. You know, I'm thinking about hook strength and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I did have a, a big one ounce um, jig head with a really strong hook and a, a swim bait on it, but I wasn't throwing it. And if I'd go back in time, I'd change that because if I was throwing that swim bait, I had the chance to catch smallmouth too. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I did catch on the muskie lure was a smallmouth probably 12 inch smallmouth hit this eight inch spinnerbait <laughs> i don't know but it, it was fun we, we caught smallmouth and rock bass how was the flow perfect three three forty seven um and honestly it was a, pretty much perfect there was enough flow where it was never too stagnant you know with the big mm -hmm. deep pools you you would have to paddle through but um it you didn't have to pick up and drag anywhere and it wasn't pushy. So I would say that 340, 347 mark, somewhere around there is pretty good. I, I love the 150 release mark. Okay, see I would never have done it when it was that. And I'll but tell 54 you that. is too low. I've done that twice. That's It gets really, it gets Elkhorn Creek sized when it's at 54. The Friday, so we went down on Saturday morning and I've, Friday they were pushing 3000 CFS. 
and but the projection showed Saturday dropping down to 350. I was like, well, that's doable. So I, I didn't know if that 3,000 on Friday would mess up the fishing on Saturday. So I talked to John Ball. I sent him a Facebook message. Now he's a uh, news anchor with, is it Wave 3? I think so. A, a news anchor with Wave 3. I don't want to get that wrong. Um, and he fishes Green River all the time. Let me double check here to make sure it is Wave 3 because, like I said, um, I do not want to get that wrong. Wave three, yes. I thought all so. Right. So he's an evening news anchor on Wave three, but he fishes Green River all the time, and uh, he was out there at one thirty a.m. Saturday morning. So before we went, he caught his second biggest smallie of all time out. That's a nice, nice. Yeah. So uh, I kind of disappointed we didn't get on fish like that, but we still had a lot of fun. Saw two bald eagles um, mm -hmm. circling the river together. And then looked up, and there was a eagle nest right there above us. And that mm. thing was—I mean, it was bigger than this room. I feel like I don't think you could fit that nest in this room. Damn, they uh, get big. Yeah, I've seen photos of bears hibernating in a eagle nest before. Really? It, really? It, it not—I don't think it was here in Kentucky. I don't remember yeah. where, but it was—you know—it was one of those emails that floats around the biologist or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I talked to our biologists, and they were like, "Man, really, Lee, above two hundred." It goes so fast we can't shock. Yeah. So he said, "I think fishing will be, you know, I think the water will be pushy." But yeah, you say it's no, not. it's good, good, good at three fifty. And it's been I've been there three times now. The first two times I was wade fishing, three fifty every time. Liked it for wade fishing. Mm -hmm. Liked it for kayaking. Cool. So I would I would go at that level all day well, long. Right, well, then we need to get down there. Let's do it. Um, I will say one mistake I think I made musky fishing was I was casting the bank. I was casting the brush on the bank. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't rise a muskie or see a muskie. I think they were probably in the channel. And you know how muskie kind of move back and forth between that deep water, mm -hmm. and then they'll move up shallow and get in the brush. I think I was kind of focused on what I could see with my eyes, which was those branches and limbs sticking out of the water. That's what looked appealing to me. But I'd say, in honesty, they were probably sitting. Well, that's a nice smallmouth he caught. Yeah. Have you ever, you ever look at John Bull's stuff uh, as no, far I, as his fish I, go? I, I listened to on the on the radio in the morning here he's talking about it all the time yeah i mean that seems like that's all he does when he gets off work is go down there and go fishing mm -hmm. which is i mean all about if he wants to drive in the middle of the night to green river you know an hour and a half and and fish all night by himself i mean that's just awesome mm -hmm. i need to start doing more of it myself but i think green river is my next spot to try to figure out yeah it's, I mean, it's awesome well it's kind of cool because you know you got the smallmouth there which is typically what i target when i go to a creek or a river to fish anyway and then you also have walleye which would be going home on the stringer with me if I catch those, and then you got the chance for a huge predator fish and a muskie. So it kind of seems like a, a good opportunity. It's not too far away from the house. Um, I'm going to start going there more. I ought to turn this screen I so you can to, see it, Wes. I need to. Uh, you need to we, I meant to fix that mileage thing. I thought we did that already. Yeah, just walleye after walleye. But that um, might have been right around the time the COVID stuff hit. Huh. Tough life, looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no yeah it's uh, John with like a 37-inch muskie or something. I, I made a joke to him one time. I said, I got a feeling those uh, all those fish in the Green River are probably Bears fans because <laughs> he's got Packers gear on in every, every one of his photos. Yeah, That's muskie. a nice one. Yeah. I mean, he wears them out down there. But So you went fishing too this weekend, Lee. Mm -hmm. And uh, last, what was it, Thursday or Friday I sold yep. you a rod? Yep. Uh, he sent out an email saying, hey, this nice G. Loomis rod very respectable price i said i'll take it within like the 10 minutes you know, I, sent, <laughs> I pressed send on the email and i sent it to to lee and Obi and um rick and just a number of guys up there that i know are typically interested in the fishing gear when we get it back here 
And Lee was on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I want that. <laughs> yeah. So how did it do? Tell me it how it did great. Yeah, it's a G Loomis. G Loomis E6X, which is their low end, but for for well, it's, it's like mid end. Yeah. Um, it's not. Well, I guess I'm thinking Corrado. It, I mean, it's a good rod. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's got Loomis graphite. Just a little bit, you know. And I looked up the guides. I've built 25 rods, so I know you know the variations of guides, and you know, it, really, when you get to that level, it's just a matter of degree you know i mean just like is the 1200 dollars shotgun re really damn nice but ooh, is it 2000 one nearly twice as good no yeah no. um so that how they do that model is they, they knock the guys down just a little bit still works great It'll, you know yeah. no small amounts ever going to groove that guy no, that, that's a sweet rod and it casts like a dream it's six foot i like a little bit I, i'm from the era though with a long rod of six feet you know yeah. you couldn't get a seven foot rod unless it was Flyer, especially back in the day, it was five and a half foot bait casters and six footers, and yeah. over time, it's they've gotten longer. You had to paddle your boat too, right? Yeah. They hadn't made the outboards yet. <laughs> yeah, no, you had to scull and paddle down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to use a scull and paddle strictly. <laughs> so you went to the main stem of Elkhorn. Then I, I end up catching seven, and if we just it, uh, moved to the spot that we eventually ended up, I think we'd have doubled that, probably doubled or tripled that. Yeah. We went to a, the canoe hatch got on us pretty quick and once that we got a few bites and my fishing partner had a nice one on uh he got a little excited and uh, he came up and tail walked and spit him and then here they come yeah so we went to a part lower down where uh i have some some permission and um and waited down there and got out of the canoe hatch and yeah. then bam bam i caught two in the first 10 minutes we were there i was like all right we found them <laughs> and then uh my todd my co-worker uh great guy um caught his biggest ever yeah. so oh nice that was nice yeah, i'm happy for todd yeah. so you guys the first spot you went with sullivan wma which is actually a public access yes. area and you have to walk down a really really old wagon road and that was a yep. crossing for years that's where the, the if you wanted to go from uh the, this part of the county over to peaks mill you had to cross there what'd you guys have luck on bait wise um i caught my first two or three on a robo worm which is a purple with blue bottom and a blue tail i love that when they get picky i, I just love that color then they, they tailed off a little bit. Todd said, I'm going to put on a Cinco. He put on a four-inch Cinco. And then I put on a three-inch Cinco. Variations of Green Pumpkin is Green Pumpkin Magic. I, I love that Green Pumpkin Purple and Green Flake. That's a great little color. And then bam, 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 we started smoking them. Yeah. So once we put the Cinco on, we started. And, uh, you know, Todd's only fished smallmouth. I think this is his third time, maybe fourth. Hmm. So he's still getting the timing of, you know, one, two, you know, count to, I always say count to three and reel like hell, then set the hook. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they feel the hit and they're like, ooh, and your first instinct is to jerk. And uh, when you do that, you'll usually miss them. You know, so, you know it's funny you said uh, it was only Todd's like, third time. Third mouth? or fourth time smallmouth fishing. Well, it's and like, you know, it's kind of something. Maybe my couple more that I've forgotten, but I think it's around in there. Well, he's only been with us here at Fish and Wildlife for about two years. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a unique thing. You see people come to Fish and Wildlife and they aren't that interested in hunting and fishing. Then once you just get them surrounded by it every day, mm -hmm. you know, it becomes one of their favorite things to do. Same story with Tim in there, who's a new producer we just hired back in March. He didn't, I mean, he hunted and fished, you know, sporadically. I think he spent every nice evening last week on the creek mm. in, uh, in Richmond, fishing Otter Creek. Oh, sent, nice. sent him to one of my favorite spots down there. He's just been whacking the smallmouth. So Good. It's, it's, I mean, when people get out there and they try it, which a lot of times they're, you know, kind of pushed into, I'm not going to say pushed into, yeah. you know, people will send, give you invites, yeah. ask if you want to go fishing and, and you'll just start to learn about it. You think it's interesting and then it's something you want to do. I wish we could, 
you know, the exposure you get to hunting and fishing working here is kind of what we're trying to get everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, it's a benefit. I don't think anybody who works here regrets learning how to hunt or fish. Well, the, the worm turned in Tom, we were on Salt River back in late March and he caught 21 inch saw guy. I think he caught another one about 18. He caught yeah. a bunch of beauties that day. Huh. And he was like, it's not hung. That's <laughs> 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 right, I was bent over coming out of my handle. I was like, you got a hog on my brother. You know, and I, I said, I'm, I'll help you. And I had some fish grabbers. They're toothy. Right. That's so, funny. Uh, uh, he was like, well, I mean, you could just see his eyes are big. And he was like, wow. And he kind of had the shakes and all, you know. That's funny. I'm not hung. <laughs> that's, that's it's great. Like, I'm not hung. It's moving. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> that was great. But, and he also, the first time he ever was in a kayak on flowing water, we did what we call the gorge float for a, a video to accompany an article I wrote. And uh, we put, I mean, the, the, the most white watery part of Elkhorn. There's some pretty good drops there. He never yeah. been in flowing water before. And he did that with a blom. Yeah, no, that's, I know the part you're talking about. It's a lot of fun. Mm, it is. A little transition here. So you were fishing at Sullivan WMA. Mm -hmm. Sullivan WMA has a dove field. They do. Let's, uh, let's transition to All some right. dove stuff. And I'll tell you How's what. How's it looking? I, I've not been to Sullivan. Sullivan's usually pretty consistent. Um, it's not a big field. It's a little bit of a walk to get there and it's not surrounded by crops like another. So it's one of those that can be good and it can be slow. It just depends on yeah. if the birds have found it in time or not. A couple of things I wanted to hit on was just dove season in general, but I went in to the other room and Tim, the producer we were just talking about, I told you he, you know, had hunted and fished before, but not a whole lot until he got hired here. Um, I asked him, I said, Tim, have you ever been dove hunting? He said, no. I said, if you, if somebody asks you to go dove hunting, you know, let's just say next, this Saturday, let's say it was dove season. And somebody asked you if you want to go dove hunting, what questions would you have, you know, for them? Because mm -hmm. some of these things, people like, we've been dove hunting a lot before, mm -hmm. we might overlook them. Yeah. So I wanted to hit on from a newcomer's point of view, what, what do you need to know? So do you care if we just run through a couple questions he had real quick? No, go for it. He said, uh, first of all, you know, the question would be, what, what gun do I need and, and what kind of shells do I need? So for a beginner, if, if you're big enough, I'm, I'm, I know Tim's a, a guy with, yeah. He's a big enough guy, yeah. a 12 gauge shotgun, yeah. seven and a half or bigger or smaller shot. So seven and a half, eight, nine, so, you know, whatever you yeah. can get. Two and three quarters is fine. Yeah. Uh, you want a lot of shot because they're hard to hit. Yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. I say a 12 gauge because it's going to throw out more shot. Mm -hmm. um, they're very hard to hit. I think the national average is something like seven shots per dove killed. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds good until you, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you no, do like, I brought four boxes and I have five <laughs> shells left. Yep. So I know a lot of a lot of guys that will not hunt without a full case of 100 shotgun shells in their I've, in their bag. I've left the field so, many times with no yep. shells and few doves. When you can yeah, only take <laughs> when you can only take 15 home with you, the math don't don't yeah. don't do the math on yeah. price per pound. <laughs> I tell you, I, I, get, I start off hot sometimes. I'll, I'll shoot two or three in a row in the first five shots. I'm like, man, I'm I'm, I'm on it today. And then all of a sudden, it'll I'll get slow and I'll start missing. <laughs> well, I, I start off slow and then hit one and then oh boy, and the then, last then, three are always my hardest. Yeah. 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 So, so you said a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge would work too. If say, say I hunt with a 20 gauge personally, and it's more than enough gun. Yeah, There's no yardage difference with a, You can hunt with a 20 gauge and a 12 gauge. You can kill every dove that either one can kill the same doves. There, there's no difference. You just don't have as much shot, so yeah. you need to be a better shot. So, mm -hmm. if you're a very proficient shooter, a yeah. 20 gauge is fine. Or if if you're younger. Yeah, sure. Or, if you're, you know, and uh, a lot a lot of women so like wife, a 20 gauge because it's not as much. Recoil. My wife has a 20 gauge, and it's. 
not because she's a fantastic shot, it's because the 12 gauge is too heavy for her to, to mm -hmm. hold all afternoon and a dove field is gonna kick too much. So it's a mindset with people that you have to have that bigger gun. Yeah, It's not the, not the case at all. Also 20 gauge little ammo is a little more expensive. So people getting into it, you always send them the cheaper out. So. Well, and you know, a lot of what somebody takes into the field for the first time, probably gonna depend on what they have access to. Sure, yep. um, any so, gun you have is fine. Yeah, Don't bring a 410. No, it's a lot a little, of people like to start their kids off with the four no. tens. Like you're handing them an expert's gun, right? Yeah. yeah. And I honestly think a twenty gauge kicks less than a four ten. I mean, I don't know why, but every four some four tens really do kick. Yeah, you're right. the, the gun is light, and yeah, that's what I was I've say. got my grandmother's is Mossberg with a pistol grip and a bolt action. Uh, well, it's three in a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another good point. Is uh, great squirrel gun plugs. Yes, because that's it. That goes right in hand in hand with the gun. Mm -hmm. Is that it needs to be plugged to only hold three shells, which is one in the chamber, two in the tube. Right. So if you're getting a new gun from the store, borrowing somebody else's gun, check. Yeah. And you don't necessarily need a store bought plug to make that work. No, you no. can you can take a ink pen or a yeah. pencil or. I've MacGyvered plenty of plugs for, yeah. oh, for no. friends that just show up and they yeah, Dad, give me his gun. The first thing out of my mouth is. Start putting shells in. Yeah. Got, let's see before we get out of this parking lot how many it'll hold. Yeah, you got seven in there. Yeah, you start looking for <laughs> pencils or sticks or yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, a pencil. We've ordered a big pen, pull the guts out, and yep. use the plastic. I told my shotgun the way I plugged it, because um, it didn't have a plug in it when I bought it. And so I started putting shells in. I think it held four. All right, so that tells me I got too, too many shells. So I just unscrewed it and I actually took unshot shotgun shells sure. yeah. and just put two of them in the top end. So my gun is plugged with shotgun shells, which is probably heavier than a pencil or something, but if I ever need more shells. <laughs> you got extra shells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Survival rounds. I got two yeah. more right there. So yeah, and then his next shot, his next question was uh, shot and shells, which you hit on. You're looking somewhere around seven and a half to yep. nine shot. Mm -hmm. Two and three quarters is fine. I personally like a fun shooting dove gun, mm -hmm. so I like the two and three quarters. It's, all, it's yeah. a whole lot more pleasant than turkey season. Oh, it is, yeah. yeah. Or waterfowl, I can Or a three and a half inch, my God, they'd punish you. Yeah. yeah. A pump three and a half inch is hell. A yeah. lot of the ammo too, a two and three quarter actually patterns better than the three inch shell. Yeah. So yes, the three inch shell's got a, a little bit more shot yeah. in it, but it's it's the flyers that are out that are probably not gonna be the ones that yeah. hit your dove. So the two and three quarters look. And flyers do that. And I was my brother was on his little field one time. He was I was if I was looking straight out, he was at two thirty, three o'clock from me and well, you know, and he fired at a bird well out of range of me and boom, something bounced off my head. It was a flyer from yeah. this. Oh, wow. Smoked my like forehead. And I was huh. like, hmm. And it was way far away from where he was. Huh. So that told me, you know, flyers. It happens, yeah. yeah. So that goes into another question. The number three he had was, what? what's it like? So I guess if you never had dove hunting before, you might be sitting there wondering what it's actually like in a dove field. And that's part of it. You just said you got dinged with a flyer. Mm -hmm. I would suggest wearing a hat. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. A hat with a brim. You want to have and you want to have some, some, safety, glasses, some safety glasses, sunglasses, yeah. any something to cover your eyes. If you know, if you wear regular glasses, that's fine. Yeah. I, you know, you really need to understand if they're shatterproof or not, because it, it fields can be yeah. dangerous. And, and they've got some now, and you can buy it at Walmart or whatever. They're five dollars right. that are that are. The safety rating. I don't go to a dove field, whether it's a private field or a public field, without glasses on my eyes. Just, and I would never do that. And you, know, you don't want to scare people away from dove hunting. Because no, it's, no, it's not absolutely like, not. As long as nobody's shooting low birds, 
then mm-hmm. it's not like, it, I mean, you might get peppered with shot, it's not gonna hurt you, right. as long as you have that eye protection mm-hmm. on, because honestly, your eyes are the only spot that I could see vulnerable to actual little pellets that are falling from that the fall. I mean, it's like somebody's throwing rice on you at a wedding. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so, but I don't want somebody to hear, oh, Lee got tinged in the head. Well, mm-hmm. it's not like he got tinged in the head with something that could actually, because yeah. people are shooting but I mean, it startled me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty light pellets and they're just falling back down for the most part. Um, and Anytime it, you're handling a shotgun, you should probably yeah. have eye protection in yeah. general. If you're shooting skeet or if you're yeah. shooting at your, it's just and smart eye protection. It, right, it's just smart to have eye protection with with scatter guns. So, yeah. so aside from getting tinked with uh, pellets here and there, the what else yep. is it like in the dove field? Like, what what's it like to you, Lee, when you go? Down well, there? I, it, I haven't been on a good dove shooting so long. So, I mean, I've been like. <laughs> Wes, I was talking there. It's like the only time it's a, this. There's a public field in Madison County. We both had. He's like, that's the only time the field's never been good yep. is when you showed up. Yeah, so Lee, Lee I'm told me. I'm going to rub chicken bones or something yeah. or do a seance and get this juju. He was mad, telling me how good dove hunting juju. Told off me how great it was. And in his defense, I've hunted it several times yeah. since, and it is consistently had been a good field. Yeah. But uh, this time it was not. No, we well, just didn't have any birds. You know. <laughs> and there was another field that I knew was hot, and then I got a phone call mm-hmm. from a friend and. Uh, it's like, hey, we're burning them up. You better yeah. get over here. And so I, I, I left that field, and Lee stuck it out, though. I give him give him credit. He said, no, no, I have faith in this field. Uh, I don't think they killed any birds, but uh, <laughs> one, I think <laughs> so, but they have to actually fly over. But but when, when dove hunting is on and there's birds in the air, it is as exciting as anything you'll do. It's it just is a blast. Yeah. It the, the opening day of dove season is kind of the opening day of hunting. Now, yes, squirrel season mm-hmm. starts August fifteenth, yeah. but nobody's not nobody. There's a few diehard squirrel yeah. hunters that are in their own opening day of squirrel season, but the first day of hunting season is dove season. Everybody waits mm-hmm. on the opening day, yeah. and then you got bow archery, you know, that, or yeah. archery deer it, that starts up. When I start hearing shotguns ringing out, it tells me that it's about time. For in the life. south especially, it may yeah. as well be a holiday. They should yeah. let kids out of school if, well, <laughs> during the week mm-hmm. if it starts on the week, because it is what everybody is yeah. waiting for. Well, it's, it's a social event. When I was, event. A, when when I was, I was a kid, you did get out of school. That was just what wow. happened. If September 1st was during the week, you would go to school in the morning and they would take you out that afternoon yeah. when you go dove hunting. Mm-hmm. If sometimes you went the whole day, but it, I mean, you you dove hunted as soon as school was over with. Yeah, 11 so, a.m. is when it opens up. September, the, September 1st is a Tuesday, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Uh, if you are at work or something, stick your ear out the window, you right. know, take a listen, because you ought to start hearing them. And uh, the regulation is 11 a.m. on WMAs in these cooperator fields mm-hmm. every day of the season, yeah. or on private fields, it's 11 a.m. on opening day, okay. and then it's sun from sunrise to sunset uh, the rest of the season. So that's just uh, one little thing. You can't, you're not gonna go in the first segment of dove season, there's three segments, yeah. two splits. So you'll hear people talk about splits. The segment of the season's when it in, is in, split yeah. is when it's out. Yeah. The first segment, uh, it's 11 a.m. on all dove fields. The second two, so the middle yeah. and late season, you can hunt all day on the WMAs then. All so these that, are online too, fw.ky.gov. You're yep. gonna need to check that the out. The cooperator field's closed the first segment though, for that's, the year. That's right, yeah, we'll, we'll go October over all 26th. the- all, We'll go through all the regulations. Yeah. I don't know if you, how many it, questions it, you still got for- Oh yeah, well as far as what it's like, you know, I think Tim was kind of asking like, what's the, you know, what, what's it actually like hanging out in the dove field? What's going on? So like from to my experience- no, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, a lot of times you get out there and you set up, and as you're walking to your spot, you know, people are shooting, and you're hearing shots going off, and you're kind of watching, and, you know, it gets you excited because you're seeing these other people shooting the birds, and, you know, that's going to be you in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you get set up, and you start looking for birds, and 
people are calling out to you from across the field, you know. Yep. Complete strangers are the, calling yeah. shots for you. That's yeah. right. Over, over the trees. Low bird, low bird, <laughs> yeah. low bird. I've yep. yelled that a million times. Oh, no. And, yeah, it's everybody's kind of yelling at each other, even if you don't know each other. And you're watching the people 200 yards away from you when mm -hmm. they start shooting to see if they hit them. And, mm -hmm. and then you got people kind of running around retrieving their birds out of the, out of the fields. And a couple people have dogs, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's basically just, you know, your eyes are peeled you're kind of sitting there and you're you're watching for birds and you're watching everybody else that's hunting and it you know even if you're in a somewhat slow field just because it's not only you hunting there you know it seems like constant action because mm -hmm. somebody's going to be shooting every yeah, minute a slow so. field generally still has doves flying around yeah. they mm -hmm. just may not be yeah over you or, or mm -hmm. anybody else yeah. the whole time so yeah. it's you it's might not leave with a limit but you probably see a limit get shot that's right um so it's it's a it's kind of fun because it's a lot more social like if mm -hmm. you take a if you take oh, growing up it's so it still is a lot of kentucky it's a social event oh you that's know, people that. have barbecues afterward and sure that's why yeah. i think that it's the opening to fall hunting season mm -hmm. is like like uh, wes was saying because it is that social i mean you're not going into the woods and doing it just all by yourself it's like get together with everybody and you're kind of opening up hunting season together you know and um you know you can go out there with your buddies or your family or a group of complete strangers and you're constantly talking to each other constantly seeing what's going on with other people and you don't have to be that quiet you don't have to be that still no. you know you don't want to be running around the field with your arms flowing around, no, you know? one of the best dove shoots i had a few i didn't mean to be dove shooting i was actually working at yeah. a field and i was just monitoring it was a new field i was watching to see how i was going to do basically we, yeah. uh, we we do that our biologists will go yeah. out and sit on a field and just yeah. Uh, especially if we're, you know, we're shelling out the money for these things, we check on our investment basically, yeah. and uh, end up seeing a guy I knew and uh, sitting talking to him, and it was funny. I had to, I, I was not in the field at first. I was up on the road, and he was down shooting, and I had this big white straw cowboy, not white, but just a, a straw cowboy hat, blue jeans, so and a work shirt. Yeah, you know, not camouflaged at all. Yeah. And he, him, and his dad both got their limit, or he got his limit. His dad needed a few more. And they hollered, and he said, here, hold my gun. I'm going to go get my truck. And I said, I don't want to take your gun. He said, no, no, I'll shoot you some doves. Yeah. And I said, well, I guess I will. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. may, may as well. And Since he, he twisted your arm so he, hard. Well, he left for two hours. <laughs> and so his dad finished his limit, and uh, Scott came and grabbed him, and uh, they took off. And I think he even took his dad to the truck or took him home or something. He said, I'll just keep shooting. Yeah. So I'm in a barred gun and a cowboy hat in the middle of a dove field, yeah. no camouflage whatsoever, and still shot the fire out of doves. Yeah. So... That's if you're on a good field, especially with yeah. other hunters out there, they warn you it's coming. You don't have to have camouflage. You don't yeah. have to be in the the finest gear imaginable. You know, it's it's just a fun experience. So, Wes, maybe give uh, the listeners some tips on how do you identify a dove on the wing? So, what do you look for? Uh, to me, I mean, doves once you are very... once you see a dove, they stick out like right. I can see him. I can just go. It's, oh, there's doves. It's how they fly. They, you know, once you like you said, once you get used to identifying them, they just are so distinct. Yeah. They do the the bend of the wing, the length. They got a neck and a head that kind of is. It's like a dart. Mm -hmm. the, their wings come to a point, and yeah. there's a distinctive curve to curve them, to yeah. the V, and then they have this big, long, pointy tail. Yeah, most of them. Yeah. Now there are some doves out there flying around with no tail that. You know, a bobcat or something grabbed a hold of. But if you uh, if you do a little bit of Google searching at all, you're going to see that, that it's yeah. a typical what I call the typical dove pose, and that's because that's how doves fly yeah. the majority of the time. They, they don't drop much. They'll, they'll corkscrew, but they don't drop much between wing beats. They stay fairly steady. Right. Don't you think? 
they do. So, I mean, it just depends on where they are in the field. If they're being shot at, they're in fighter jet mode yeah, and, start and they're zipping and zooming. Yeah. If they're just traveling, they're you know they'll flap some. But if you, if you just look at them versus other birds, you know woodpeckers, yeah. they bob up and down. They fly like a wave. It's up and down, yeah. up and down. And little birds, they tend to fly their little flitty ways. Or you know every bird has its own little distinctive thing. And doves are, are no different. And they're a big bird, you know, compared to yeah. most of the other. It's a fat-bodied bird with yeah. a big long tail. Mm -hmm. And uh, other than a you know the only species I can think that kind of looks similar would be like a killdeer or maybe a kestrel. Uh, yeah. You know, if you go to enough dove fields, you'll see people that mess up, but that's probably a reactionary shot. If they would have yeah. stopped and identified their target, they would have realized really quickly that, yeah. hey, that, that, that doesn't look right. And the, you know, the safest thing to do is if you're new to dove hunting and you're not 100% sure, just wait until you are sure. Like, mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need to shoot at the first fast flying bird that comes out there right. at 50 yards, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're not, I mean, and like I said, once you, once you shoot a couple, you'll get the hang of it. Sure. And uh, yeah, I've, I always I've, recommend going with somebody too. Yeah. Me personally, I do not like to sit in the dove field by myself. I would much rather two, me and a friend on buckets within six feet of each other yeah. so you can talk. You know, it's one thing to yell and mm -hmm. that's fine, but I would much rather just sit and, mm -hmm. you know, pass the time. And you can shoot just as many birds side by side as spread out. Oh, yeah. So if you're new to it, find, it's not hard to find somebody to go to a dove field generally. Yeah. People love dove hunting. Mm -hmm. Find somebody that's been a few times, they can help you. And uh, it comes down if you're not sure, don't shoot. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yep. It's just one bird, no, not worth the. You find. sit in, if you sit in a dove field, you'll figure it out really quickly. Yeah, it's not a it's not a hard thing to learn. So another question Tim had was, do you use a dog? Personally, I do and don't, and well, that's you, a funny answer. A, <laughs> so uh, I, I use I love my lab. I cannot picture myself hunting without my lab in most situations. Yeah. But doves, a lot of times it's 95 degrees. Yeah, yeah. dogs will get. You can really hurt your dog in a hurry if you're not careful. So you have to I've provision seen for get dogs. Old, right. Dogs get overheated it, really quickly. So with doves, I love hunting with my dog, but at the same time, you're if you've not worked your dog before September 1st, you're better off to leave them at home because yeah. um, it, it's wild shooting. You know, that's how you teach your dog to break. And, and when I say break, I mean, you, know, you tell your dog when to retrieve a bird. Yeah. A dog that takes off on his own, it's dangerous. If, if you're hunting with people that aren't aware of how your dog is and he takes off, he's, you know, your dog could be shot. Yeah. So doves hunting, there's shots everywhere and it's sensory overload yeah. for a dog. Mm -hmm. So that's one problem. You have to be prepared. And if I haven't worked my dog, yeah. I'm not going to take him because mm -hmm. I don't want duck season to roll around and have a knucklehead that breaks on every time the, yeah. the gun goes off. Mm -hmm. And the second thing, doves are small. Uh -huh. You know, they have a lot of feathers that come off yeah. out really quickly <laughs> and a lot of dogs will get mouthy they'll start getting chewy so you have to you have to be prepared you need to work your dog they'll with get a whole mouthful of feathers you do and so if you're going to take your dog spend time with your dog don't just go to hunt and kill doves yeah. work your dog yeah. and then from then on once the once the it doesn't take dogs to get long to get back in the loop yeah. once your dog is back in how tune, do you cool a dog off and they get overheated what's what do you recommend so i, I always carry a ice water a cooler with ice water I, I like to keep big jugs that are frozen for my ice packs i put water in there and then as those melt you know throughout the day then i've got extra cold water yep. to give my dog so ice cold water is the most important thing and you got to get in the shade so yeah uh, and which is not always easy in a dove field either mm -hmm. so and if you if you i mean 
a lot of times the best place to set up to hunt anyway is in the shade, you know, kind of against a tree line or, sure. or something like that. Because, I mean, a lot of times those birds will come, if you're sitting back to the tree line looking out in the field, a lot of times those birds are going to come right over top of you. Yep. And that's where it helps to have somebody kind of yelling out because they can they can see them coming from the other side of the tree mm-hmm. line. Right. And then you can be ready. And when they pop over, you know, you got a nice close <laughs> shot, so I'm flying in a straight line, you know. I was, I was hunting a public field one time, and it, it was a really good one. It was over in Clark County. And it was a big field, and people were, um, they heard us yelling names back and forth. So there was people down below, and they were going, Lee Bird, Lee Bird. But from their angle, it looked like it was flo- flying over my head. But, and they were 80, 90 yards away <laughs> behind me. But from that lower angle, it looked like it was flying right over my head. I was like, no, please be quiet. <laughs> That's another thing to consider with your dog. If you're going to a busy public field and you bring your dog, you got to have control of all times. Yeah. One of my, you know, Philippe. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Philippe what's Roca. his last name? Roca. Roca. Philippe Roca. The man has great dogs. He's a yeah. good dog trainer. His dog got away from him. We were on the. It was the same field when I left you to go hunt the Mercer County field. Philippe was there, and uh, I had a pile of doves. And I looked back, and my my doves were gone. And I looked over and Philippe's dog had three of my dogs, <laughs> or my doves in his mouth and he has those little uh, griffons, mm-hmm. little fluffball things. Good, They're good bird dogs, but his dog had came over and stole three of them, which I know Philippe. It was yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. Philippe, get your dog yeah. or whatever. Got but, my birds back? But not everybody knows everybody and yeah. you never know you're into a jerk and mm-hmm. they might get mad at dog. your dog. So make that's a, a consideration bet, as uh, well. Philippe probably gets his limit every time he goes out. I mean, I, I found <laughs> dogs, dogs dog dove hunting dogs pretty good dog. borderline more, more of a pain than they are uh, they can you know, be sure they can be especially at public field they, so i know that i danced all around that question no, there's nothing better than hunting with a dog but dove hunting with a dog is difficult so be be confident and right. comfortable with your dog sure. and be prepared to take care of it in the heat because i mean september we're talking one right. of the hottest times of the year and and number one if you take your dog on the first day you're working your dog you're not hunting yeah. you know find a buddy to shoot make sure you're got your dog under yeah, that's that's, that's priority good. one before you start concentrating on birds um, next question, and this is a good one. He said, are there different species of doves? There are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Across the nation, there's more than I'm qualified to talk about. When you get into the western doves, you're talking about ground doves mm-hmm. and the other stuff, and you get down in the tropics, you know, you've got the Grenada doves and, and the Zenata doves, and, you know, there's a lot of species of doves. In Kentucky, really the only one we have native to us is the morning dove. That's yeah. one everybody sees. There's a non-native species, the Eurasian collared dove. Yeah. It is here. You will see it from time to time, but it's not common at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly you see I've it seen in, them in Florida. Yeah, well, in, t- in Kentucky, you see them in towns around bird feeders, or you might see them around a granary somewhere, around silos. So, yeah. But in a dove field, I'm not sure that I have ever seen a collared dove harvested. In a, it, it can definitely happen. Yeah. But you'd have to be nearby, like a dairy or a subdivision. Yeah. We, where, sh- we shot them last year. We killed quite a few. But we were hunting a cattle farm that does have a, a feed. You had line. a silo on it. Yeah, or something, and they yeah. kind of remind me more of pigeons. The way they, they are. Hunt. They're bigger, they're lighter colored. Yeah. And um, they they hang out in in spots like pigeons do. You they know? do. Right. Kinda, like you'll see them up on grain bins or you'll see them mm-hmm. up on silos. And they, they kind of just remind, if you see They have doves, an unusual call, too, don't they? Their call is different. Their, yeah. their tail is squared off, uh, which I am I see a lot of birds myself, so maybe I, I, I take it 
for, for There's granted. a picture of one in our, in our current dove guy. Yeah, there is a picture of one standing. It's got the, the typical ring neck, and you can just see the tail is broader and more mm -hmm. square. And when it's flying, you can yeah. that broad tail, it sticks out to me. Yeah. Uh, but From a hunter's perspective, the, the only thing they really need to worry, because there, there's a bag limit on morning doves. And white-winged doves. Okay. So white-winged doves, it's, it's very rare in Kentucky. They do show up in the summertime. Every year we have reports. Uh, it seems like Western Kentucky probably sees way more than uh, we would over this side of the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, the white-winged dove population is, seems to be expanding a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to Texas, that's the that's the number one target. Everybody's hunting white-winged doves. And they're a different bird. They, they act differently than morning mm -hmm. doves. But they are here. So your bag limit is 15 morning doves or white-winged doves combined. combined. Okay, right. combined, yeah. Yep. So you could if you if you shoot one white winged dove, you're looking at fourteen. Yeah, morning. you're probably not going to notice a white winged dove on the wing. It's yeah. it's going to look like a regular morning dove, and you're going to harvest it, and you know the, the whole outer edge of the wing will be yeah. white. And and as far yeah. as the uh, ring neck doves, no limit on those. That's right. The collared doves, there's there's no limit. Um, so if you find your case yeah. you have a farm you know they're there yeah. you can go hunt those any time of year and you don't have to worry about a yeah. limit but you probably don't want to do that in the dove field <laughs> if you shoot your 15 morning doves you're done you're done you yeah. can't just sit and say well i'm i'm, I'm hunting, gonna shoot i'm yeah, hunting your doves now, now. Yeah. um that's going to get you a ticket it seems like <laughs> so, it'd be too easy a mistake so, to make it is so and you're just the risky. chances of seeing them are so so yeah. rare that you're you know once you get your 15 you're not going to see yeah that collar dove to get you those extra yeah. and so it's a, it, it, it puts an officer in a bad spot like yeah. i know this guy has a limit of birds yet he's out there shooting so yeah. oh that mm -hmm. makes sense um let's see what else do you have here uh he asked about license needed and um that's something to hit on actually yep. you know we did that uh right along with the co piece in a dove field last year mm -hmm. for kentucky field tv we mm -hmm. tagged along with uh chesser i believe officer chesser and we went to the shelby county public field and did checks, and one of the guys in that field had his hunting license, and that's it. So, oh, missed, wow, missed a spot. Yep. Yeah, missed two spots. Yep. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the license that you need, and also the hip survey. Right, the hip survey. It's been around for several years now. Um, it's free. So yep. before you hunt, a lot of people forget. I buy my license early. Mm -hmm. And the hip survey is one well, you have to. It, it's another step. If, yeah. if you go into a store, you're not going to get the hip survey. Used to when you bought your hunting license, at the during the transaction, they asked they are supposed to ask you a bunch of questions, yes or no. Did you hunt doves last year? Did you hunt ducks last year? Did you hunt coots last year? Did you hunt uh, woodcock? You know, yes or no. And then if you say yes, it was how many do you shoot? Will you hunt them this year? You know that data is how we manage hunting seasons. That is the only way. You know, we get harvest through banding data. So if we kill, we know how many birds are in the population. We know how many birds are banded. So the band returns, we use that to figure out how many birds are harvested. But hunter data, we have almost none. We don't know yeah. anything about it without hip data. So go online, you fill out. It, it only takes five minutes. It's and not I, that many I actually questions. pulled it up right here while you were talking. Mm -hmm. So all you do is fw.ky.gov, hit my profile, and log in. If you have a hunting or fishing license, you have a profile. It sets it up automatically right. for you. And this actually is kind of handy because it shows you all your license that you've bought in mm -hmm. the past, current license, and it keeps track of all your harvest. So there I can pull up my confirmation numbers for all my deer. I can see the dates they were harvested, the county. But over on the right, 
hip and migratory bird survey. So I just click mm -hmm. on that and then it asks me a couple questions. And it takes less than five minutes. Yeah, it's really oh. quick. Yep. So fill that out before you hit the woods. And in addition to a hunting license. Yep. You need your migratory bird hunting permit. So if you buy the sportsman's license, that comes with it. Yep. If you just buy your hunting regular hunting license, that is an extra uh, fee to get that. Yep. So, so that's you have to have that for doves, ducks, geese, any migratory game bird species. You have to have that so, to So to hunt. In, in short, to dove hunt, you need your annual hunting license, or actually not an annual. You could get a- You can a, get a three day or one yeah. day or whatever. But yep. you need a valid current hunting license. Mm -hmm. You need your migratory bird permit, which is not the, the duck stamp or the waterfowl stamp. It's just Correct. the migratory bird permit, which is, is it 10 bucks, five bucks? 15. 15, 15, right. 15, yeah. 15 bucks, and then you need to fill out the hip survey. So those yep. three things, hunting license, migratory bird, hip survey, right. and then you're covered. Um, Let's see, the other thing he asked about was bag limits and regs, and we touched on bag limits already, but my answer, the easy answer, is fw.ky.gov. Yep. Sure. The Dove Guide is up, it's on the scroll. So, yeah. so as soon as you go to the website, the, the little flashing advertisement that tells you what's new, it's right there. Yep. I'm actually filling out my hip survey real quick. Let me just click, 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 and boom, done. Oh. That, that's all it was to it. Awesome. <laughs> It's uh, you know, I like I said, I'm not the a big waterfowl guy. I would like to yep. be. One thing when you do that, I do ask everybody I talk to, read the questions, yeah. make sure you give it some time because yeah. your hunting seasons depend on this data. Yeah. And trust mm -hmm. me, I, just, I did do that. Oh, correctly. I know you did. I, was, <laughs> I, I know you did. So I kind of breezed through it, but I, I, you know, I basically looked dove. Yes, I hunted dove, and then I asked you for a range of how many the, doves you think you harvested. The reason we have this now is because of the old way when the Walmart clerk who's got a line 15 deep yeah. and you show up to buy your hunting well, license. August the 30. Yeah, August everybody's 30th, there yeah. to get their hunting license. Yeah. And now they have to ask all these questions. They figured out quickly they can hit no, 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 yeah. didn't hunt any of these species and get you through the line. Through the line quicker. And you didn't even know about it. If you weren't a, a avid sportsman that realizes that, hey, I'm supposed to be asked questions yeah. with my license. And that's happened to me before yeah. in, in Arkansas oh, one time. I bought a license and I was there to duck hunt and uh, she didn't ask for the, the question. I said, uh, weren't you supposed to ask questions? Yeah. Some questions. She said, I answered no. I said, you answered incorrectly. Well, of course, it didn't matter. It's already, yeah. here's my license. But yeah. anyway, that is how we get our harvest data. That's how, or, you know, we know how many dove hunters now, historically, based on the, when the, uh, the, the lady at Walmart that was, you know, never hunted in her life and just trying to get people through, she would answer no. Our dove hunter numbers would swing by 500,000. One year we would have this many doves killed, yeah. this many dove hunters. The next year it would be twice that or half yeah. that. You know, it was just it these turns huge out nobody swings. Hunted doves last That's year. useless data. Yeah. So we can't, we couldn't use that to, to manage the species. Yeah. So this hip data gives us so much more information that we can use to manage our populations manage our hunting seasons and to give sportsmen the, the maximum bag limit possible for as long as possible. So it's a, it's a mm -hmm. very important part of the process. So let's talk a little bit about um, this dove season coming up. Are there any changes to the regs or Not anything? many. Regulation changes are not there. Uh, we had a new regulation last year that I really want to plug again this year. Let's hear it. So today's August 8th, or 10th, excuse me, I've got it behind. You have five more days to scout our public dove fields. Uh, by public dove fields, I mean WMA fields. August 15th to September 1st, we close access to all dove fields. Okay. Uh, that's a new regulation we implemented last year. Basically, the guys in the at WMA's, guys and gals out there were saying, listen, a week before season, we had hundreds and hundreds of birds in the field. Yeah. 
and hunters would show up to scout and it'd be one truck with one guy he'd walk out in the field he'd flush a bunch of doves like oh yeah we got doves here and he'd leave but then another truck would come yeah, they just and another going. truck would yeah. come so every night you're having five to ten trucks show up well doves can only take so much pressure before they leave yeah and so the fields were with that literally could have a thousand doves on it would have almost none opening day so yeah. what we're, we've done is stopped all scouting from the field you can still go to the parking lot and if you sit long enough in a parking lot you can tell if the field has doves in it they yeah. fly they're not walking on the ground yeah. you know they're they're going to fly in and fly out you'll figure it out real quick especially yeah. if there's some bare trees or power line nearby yeah. you're going to figure it out so august 15th to september 1st now, no access it, is, so on the 15th itself access or no None. None. No. So right. beginning on the morning of the fifteenth, that's when. Yep. From so all Saturday morning. It's coming Saturday. Right. August fifteenth until sunrise, September first. Okay. So it's on, on September first. If you want to get out there early to get your spot, you yeah. can do that. You can go and have coffee and breakfast. Um, and and keep in mind, if there's a youth field, youth hunt the youth hunts are closed up until the first Saturday in September. So that okay. would be August fifth this year. Or September fifth. Or, sorry, yeah, September 5th yeah. this year. So in those cases, a WMA with a youth hunt, that field will be closed from August 15th to September 5th when they get out there for the youth hunt. Now, I know that, okay, I'm on the Dove, so I'm on our website, the fwkwy.gov. I'm on mm -hmm. the Dove hunting page. Right. And there should be a interactive map of the public public fields, correct? There is some, yep, to uh, click here. To, it's click at the here. very top to view the public Dove fields. Click here. Okay. And so when I click that, it takes me to... ArcGIS, which is literally interactive. Okay, now yep. it shows every, every single dove field on the map. That's right. Every one of those squares is a public dove field. Some are cooperator fields, meaning a private field. Uh, scouting on those cooperator fields is not the same as a WMA field. You cannot go into those. We lease those fields from private landowners. It is absolutely private land until September 1st. Yeah. So you cannot walk out and, and scout those fields. You can drive by. If there's a pull-off, feel free to stop and look, but do not go into those fields. Um, a lot of people want to scout. Yeah. The landowners are graciously giving us access. You know, we pay them for it, but you know, they're still. Uh, we can never pay enough for yeah. public access, and so if you start aggravating these landowners, they may not re-enroll in the program. We may lose these fields. So yeah. we ask everybody, please do not get into these fields prior to September one. So I'm looking at the map here, just where I'm looking. I can see probably ten or twelve fields. Click on one, it tells me, okay, this is the Mercer County private co-op field, it's 30 acres, yep. and then it has directions to get to it, it has the regs specific to that field, um, mentor field, so it has all the information you need. If you just go to the interactive map and you click on a field, it'll tell you everything. It does, and the best thing about this is you can do some scouting from here. If you go to the top left, you'll see uh, there's four squares and it says base map. If yeah. you click that, you can actually pull the imagery an imagery hybrid and it'll show you the roads and you can scroll into an individual field. Now we don't have individual field boundaries, but you can see the field that you're, you're working with. So mm -hmm. uh, once you find that field, you can zoom in, you can see how the field lays. Oh, yeah. um, you know, that field, it's a small field, but you can see where they mowed the strips. You can see what's there, a couple little tree lines yeah. and that one in particular. You can kind of get an idea of what you want. There's also a topo map if you're, yeah. you know, if you want to mess with it. So you can get an idea of the, how the field looks. Now, that's very handy. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that kind of shows you every field in the state and you can just mm -hmm. figure out what's closest to you and see the details. Yep. And, and that's for public fields. Of course, private is different. You need to look at the, the website for the regs and private fields, yep. statewide regs. Um, 
So any other changes? I know that some fields have come online and offline, so you probably need to check this for that too. Absolutely, check. Uh, the, the, so this map is up to date. We uh, we run it regularly. Uh, we monitor our fields regularly. Then this time of year, it's kind of that unknown zone. Uh, I, I get complaints sometimes that we don't release where our fields are early enough. Yeah. And uh, that is absolutely accurate, but there's a reason for it. Um, we don't know until right now if these have made good fields or not. Mm -hmm. So if a field if is planted but it's going to be crap, we don't advertise it because we don't want hunters to waste their time, yeah. you know, driving to a spot where they're not going to see doves. So these these fields that are marked on this map have been scouted. Mm -hmm. We know that they're going to have doves. I mean, we we don't know how good it's going to be necessarily. Right. If it's on the map today, I've talked to somebody and I have no reason to think that it's not going to be a field that could hold doves. Yeah, some some are going to be better than others. We don't put on there good, great, excellent, because that's all, you know, that can change overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but if it's on there right when you look at it, it's there. Now, we could have a field fall out, but I don't think any of these will. So uh, as you're scouting, keep an eye on the, the map. Same with the PDF document. That's one of the reasons the Dove Guide is, is online now, so it makes it easy for us to edit right at the last minute mm -hmm. if a field. Uh, yeah. uh, another thing that happens, um, believe it or not, and this happens on WMA fields as much as private fields, fields can be baited. You can have some idiot go out with bird seed and yeah. scatter bait. Well, now we have to close this field. Yeah. It's you know, it, and it, it absolutely happens on WMA fields. It's not just a private land situation. A, a field, WMA field can become baited. An officer will discover that and say, "Hey, we got a problem. We got to shut it down." And so we'll, we'll get online and pull that from the Dove Guide, pull it from the map, uh, put signs up or whatever on the WMA. So uh, always check your resources before you make the drive. As far as baiting goes, what are the regs as far as that? So baiting, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're going to a field, the thing you need to be aware of is the crop in the field. So if there's there's two different dove scenarios in my opinion. There's a food plot. Mm -hmm. A crop was planted for the sole purpose of attracting doves. Uh -huh. That crop is manipulated, bush hogged and disked to make that seed available to doves. Yeah. That is a food plot. You also have agricultural field, so uh -huh. a silage field, a corn crop that is grown specifically for silage. Mm -hmm. It's chopped for silage and they come back behind it with winter wheat. Yeah. That's two different scenarios. So the sunflower food plot field, once you go in and put that seed on the ground, you planted those sunflower crops, it's there as a food plot. You mow that down, you disc it in. A lot of people think that you can come back immediately and plant winter wheat behind that. And mm -hmm. they'll even tell you, oh, I gotta have a, uh, a cover crop in this field. By the federal rule, that is a baited dove field. Yeah. Even though that same field in an ag scenario, a silage field has been chopped for silage, it's, it's not chopped for doves. That's mm -hmm. chopped for feed. Yeah. And that's followed up by a so winter wheat crop. To legitimate it. agricultural right. practice. Right. The, the state land grant university recommends that practice for that commodity crop. Food plots, there is no state land grant university recommending that you follow up your food plot with another food plot. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's very specific, but it's it's gray at the same time. It's mm -hmm. it's tough, and uh, for that matter, you know, doves and ducks are completely different. They're both migratory birds. It's the same federal rule. You cannot harvest a crop for ducks. So yeah. if you plant millet for for doves, yeah. you can go in and harvest that, knock all the seed on the ground for the doves. That's a legal hunting spot. If you plant millet for ducks, yeah, and then har and then knock it all down. 
you it's a baited situation. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me why. The, uh, yeah. You know that's the federal rule. Yeah. Um, it's always been it, it, I, I, the the why is kind of tricky. You know, doves are under harvested for the most part. You know, I told you seven yeah. shots per dove. So uh, what I think this is what you know I wasn't around when those rules were were made. That was well before my career. But uh, you know they're trying to harvest more doves. Waterfowl. It's very finicky. You know we you know. It, we, wasn't that long ago you had that you were on a point system a hen mallard cost you mm -hmm. more birds than a drake mallard did so um so my mm -hmm. so i'm thinking uh, i'm thinking baiting as far as turkey goes right right so i believe the rule is two weeks on turkey is right. it so it, two weeks is a safe bet with the migratory bird treaty act yeah. the federal rule 50 all bait must be removed for 10 days mm -hmm. so that doesn't mean you stop baiting, that means yeah. the last speck of bait. So if you are baiting your field to get doves in, if you're yeah. gonna go out all summer long and put wheat or corn or sunflower or what out, the last grain has to be gone 10 days before September 1st, otherwise it is a baited field. So let's say we got a field and some idiot goes out there with a 50 pound bag of bird feed and dumps it on the ground, right? And you go out there with a shovel and a shop vac and you clean every last bit of it up, Yep. 10, 10 yep. days to, to be able to hunt it again. That's correct. Man, don't be that idiot. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, I, I have friends. They always talk about it. Well, you know, the field's looking good, but I like to sweet. I just wanted to sweeten it up a little. Well, yeah, I've heard that. Sweeten it up. Uh, you know, you don't do that. Yeah, do well, <laughs> I was at one one time, and, uh, um, and very gracious, and there was a ton of birds. Well, I just happened to look down and cracked. You know, one of the old things that they always told me to look for: dry, cracked ground with seed sitting on top. Yeah. As often as well, this field had been sweeted. So I called my wife. I said, call me back in five minutes and act like something bad's happened. <laughs> so she yeah. called me back. I was like, what? Yep. I'm, I just got here. You know, I had to do it like again. <laughs> then I called her back. Thank you for giving me hell all that baited damn field. Ain't going to lose my yeah. damn job over if, that crap. If you are a hunter, so <laughs> if, you, if you are a hunter and you are hunting a field you are yeah. not responsible for, if you've been invited to a field, yeah. Absolutely, like Lee said, if you notice it's baited, get out of there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you can be sighted. Um, the officers they have the hardest job on these, but because they have to, they have to figure out intent. They got to figure out who yeah. did the baiting and then who's taking advantage of the baiting. You, have to, you know, did they know about it? Did they not know about it? Is every inch of this field is it influenced by the bait that was up in this one? Mm -hmm. They have a, an incredibly tough job. Yeah. So, it, pay attention. If you're out there and you start seeing bird seed on the ground, if you're in a sunflower field and you see corn, get out of there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Don't risk having to talk to yeah, explain to the officer that this was cracked this is yeah. winter wheat look even like. though it's a state it could be a wma field and so well this is state land it must be legal if i'm on state land mm -hmm. pay attention you don't want to put yourself in that situation yeah. don't put our officers in that situation it just it's hard for everybody so other, other thing i wanted to hit on this is probably the last thing i have as far as dove hunting goes is uh talking about our officers you know coronavirus is going on and dove, dove season has to be one of the times that our officers interact with the public the most oh sure so I thought it'd probably be nice to touch on, uh, you know, what our officers are doing because of coronavirus now too. Um, if you have your, I don't have my hunting license, and it's in my fishing backpack in my car. But um, on the front, it's going to have two numbers. And this year's license are two and a zero, big two and a big zero. That's a 2020 license. And the officers are going to try to, you know, keep their distance in the field. They're just going to want you to hold that license up so they can see that number and yep. see what's on it. Um, you know, they probably aren't going to want to. Yeah, that's it right there. West just pulled the hit us out. Um, you can see that two zero clean as day. And so they, you know, they might not walk up and shake your hand, probably not going to, 
you know, be high-fiving you or anything like that, but just know they're out there trying to do their jobs and interact with the public and not be transmitting COVID to everybody or not get it themselves. So uh, they are going to be interacting a little bit differently this dove season than they did last dove season. Yep. Uh, just be aware of that. One question I get, can you have your license on your phone? And the answer is absolutely yes. I keep <laughs> yep. mine because, you know, it's a paper copy yep. when you get it. You don't want to be in the wearing storm or like you mentioned creek fishing yep. you know that's tough but everybody keeps their phone generally you yep. can put it on your phone it's got a qr code that the guys can read so um i keep mine i've shown my my license to the officers uh with the phone before and i've never had an issue with an officer saying that that wouldn't work especially now you can just get on the internet on pretty much any phone and go to my profile mm -hmm. and pull your license up yep. mm -hmm. but always when i buy my license each year i screenshot it i do too on yep. my phone so i have it there and then i do print the paper copy and i have it in one of those waterproof uh yep. and i keep that in my fishing bag i just keep it in my wallet because i know i'm gonna have my wallet yeah i keep both as well but well that's where i'm most likely to get checked as fishing so that's why I keep the paper copy because, I, and that's also if you go I'm, to a public dove field on opening day, you're, you're going to get checked. Our yeah. officers do a great job. Yeah. I mean, do you look? We've got I think 50 individual fields, 50 or 53, something like that. I went through and, and counted. Uh, Dave and I did that. Just it, we always have always say somewhere around 40. Yeah. Uh, but each WMA they might have two. You know, it might be listed as one field, but there may be three individual fields. But our officers they cover almost every one of these fields every year i don't know how they do it you know it's boating season everything else but i've never been on opening day and not seen officers show up in the field yep. no matter which county yep doesn't matter the area so if you're going to go to a public field you better have your stuff one thing line. we should mention wes is uh we still have five more days if you're interested in the mentor youth hunts oh There's three fields call, this Lee. year and uh well i just uh, looked four, at my notes. actually four so, that's yep. right except for the well the one's kind of a, yeah Yep, so we've got uh, mentor youth fields I mentioned earlier. We're signing up for those right now. It's always the first two full weeks of August is the application period. So ending Friday, um, they will draw next week. By next Friday, you can go to your pro my profile and see whether you're drawn or not. So the youth fields, they start on September 5th. The hunt starts at 2 p.m. Uh, you've got to be on the list to get spots. So those, those fields have stakes that... Uh, individual you know when you get there you'll be uh, assigned a, a place in the field or you just go in and pick your spot uh, you know and then uh, once the field fills up it's closed so mm -hmm. if uh, if there's 15 spots available and only 10 people apply you can stand by hunt for those last five but as soon as the field is full you're done for the day and we do that to keep these fields safe we want yeah. our kids in a safe dove fields yeah. not in overcrowded fields mm -hmm. and there are a few extra rules you know you can't walk around with your shotgun you have to leave your shotgun in place while you retrieve your birds you yeah. got to be off the field uh, hunting ends at seven off the field by seven thirty. you can't start till two you got to check in check out all the, those rules are online too so. yeah yep. they're all online if you go to the dove guide it's at it's the end the of guide. the back it's of the, the dove, dove guide, guide. Yep. but it's a great opportunity to introduce a kid to hunting so Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> going to get way off topic. The, uh, the, the fields, uh, they move from year to year. So this year, um, they're at Hen uh, Higginson and Henry WMA, H&H as we call it, and Union County is where the youth field is. It's always there. I think it may have moved locations. He has several dove fields and rotates around. So you can go to the dove guide and find out uh, which fields or go to the kiosk at the WMA and find yeah. where that one is. Uh, this year, Lloyd WMA does not have a youth field. Usually in the Bluegrass region towards northern Kentucky, we uh, 
have the youth hunt at Lloyd W. May. Uh, the deer got all the sunflower this year. Uh, several fields that's happened to. Uh, it's a common thing. But uh, so we, we moved the, the youth hunt. We want our kids to have a good hunt. So we moved it from Lloyd to Kentucky River. I think it's the Gilbert track. Yeah, it is. Um, we also have a hunt, a uh, brand new field We've at Rockcastle River WMA down in Pulaski County. Um, it's a new WMA and a new dove field. Uh, we're excited about that. There's a youth hunt there now. And then uh, a new opportunity because of COVID this year, um, we only have, we're going to have three youth fields. Uh, the, the purchase region, they lost their youth field. They had a lot of crop damage this year as well. Yeah. And the, the private land field that we, the cooperator field, uh, we didn't get that field back. So um, we didn't have a field to put youth on in the purchase region this year. But um, in Carter County at Camp Webb, every year they host a youth dove hunt specifically for the campers that attend Camp Webb that year. Yeah. Well, they had the dove field planted, COVID canceled camps. So we have this field land out there that's been paid for. We didn't want to waste it. So we're having a one-time quota youth hunt. So instead of Camp Webb's campers going to the spot, yeah. we're going to do a online, it's a one day only though, are the rest of our youth fields after the youth hunt, it opens to all public. Okay. The Carter County Camp September Webb Field. September 6th. It, yeah, that, yeah, that, That'll open to public. Yeah, they open to public September 6th. But the Carter County uh, Camp Webb Youth Field, it's a one day only hunt. The kids get it only, and it is not a public field the rest of the season. Okay, so that's all online. And you know, I was looking at the map here, and what I was going to interrupt you with, that I said was completely off topic, was I was just going to point out how cold and big Greenland looks, <laughs> doesn't it? Like that's that's bigger than the continental U.S. and it's just all ice. It looks like. Mm -hmm. But I was also going to point out on this map that if we look at Kentucky here, what are our five biggest populations? Louisville, Lexington, Northern Kentucky, Bowling Green, and Owensboro, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like you could be in any one of those areas without a dove field somewhere within driving distance of yeah, you. Right. So, and then there's other, like, that's only five areas. You said there's 53 fields. We're talking about you're not too far from a field anywhere except for maybe so, Far East Kentucky. Mm -hmm. That's how our cooperator field program came into play. So we have WMAs, but we don't control where our land is. You know, we just can't buy land anywhere in the state we want to buy it, yeah. right? So we have these big holes in the state where WMAs are not and dove hunters are. So we have that hip data. We know how many dove hunters are in every county. Mm -hmm. So we use the number of hunters per county and the distance from the closest WMA with a dove field. And we try to get yeah. private landowners. We target those areas yeah. to put our, these, these private cooperator fields. That's so, why it looks like the populations are pretty well covered as far as yep. having fields pretty, pretty, pretty close driving distance, which is a good way to do it. Cover as many people as you can. That's right. Um, Let's see. I really don't know if I have anything else I want to hit on. I think we went over a lot of dove hunting. We did. Um, the main thing is the website is your best resource for rules and regs and if you're looking for a public field on where to find it. And if you're interested in the mentor youth hunt or the youth hunt at Camp Webb, then that's going to be your best resource for that too. Yep. Um, you can go to, let me just do this from the get-go. Um, so I'm on the home page here. Up top it says hunt. I click hunt. And then it says game species, yep. and I can click on dove, or I just noticed also right there on the homepage to the website, 
on the banner, the very second thing. So the second thing on the banner is the dove yep, guide. You'll see the main hunting the guide, this, and the fall hunting guide, and then the dove guide. It's got a nice picture of a dove on the front. And we call it the dove guide. It's also it's also the early waterfowl, you know, woodcock, snipe, and crow. It's on the cover too. We have early goose season coming up. Mm -hmm. We have early wood duck and teal season coming up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Snipe season will come in. Woodcock will come in before the big duck season gets here. So there's some there's a few little regs in there as far Those as are the hills. Yeah, yeah uh, you know there's some there's some some places you can and can't hunt uh, <laughs> early geese for instance you know west kentucky wma for instance it's closed to the early goose season so there's a few things in there that uh, uh rick hill photo <laughs> yeah, be plenty of that lingerie. what else you guys got anything i think i'm good mm -hmm. I, I mean I've, we talked about the fishing trips this past weekend we covered pretty much everything dove hunting that i could think we probably wanted to run through right yes I wonder if anybody has a question. They oh, just, I do have one yeah, more. It's in blue in the guide this year. I want to make sure and plug it. Uh, Morgan County, Paintsville Lake Wildlife Management Area. That is now a steel shot only field. Okay. So that's all, that's one of those changes that a lot of people just show up to dove fields. And yeah. if you go you know, from a lead shot field to a steel shot field, yeah. um, it, you know, that's, that's a tough deal. And but, it's getting easier and easier to find like seven steels and sure. sevens. And, yeah, you know. yeah, six and seven steel, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty common anymore. And the price is not that no. different. And I've started shooting it a lot personally just because I have it on hand and you know, it, I've not noticed a lot of difference at all. People complain about the steel shot and how it performs to lead, but if you're taking smart shots, I've yeah. not noticed a difference yeah. personally. Yeah. So, so be, keep in mind that field is going to be a steel shot only. Paintsville Lake WMA, it's right on the creek, and um, mm. so they, they've made the decision to uh, to keep the lead out of the creek there as much as possible. So, I uh, noticed something here on the Blue Water Trails that we need to update, Lee. <laughs> Says Kentucky field host Tim Farmer. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, probably need to change that. But um, you know, I well, that been, came out of a, when I wrote that <laughs> in the magazine. It, he was the host. Uh, there's something else I wanted to plug too that that photo actually reminded me of. Um, next Tuesday, so the Tuesday the 18th at 8:30 p.m. We can't do our live call-in shows anymore because those were in-studio productions at KUT with their staff. So we can't do those anymore. So we're going to do them in-house. And we're going to go live on Facebook Tuesday at 8.30. The first one is going to be the non-game, so species that aren't hunted, fished, or trapped. So you're thinking snakes and salamanders and, you know. Um, songbirds. Songbirds, butterflies. And honestly, that show generates the most interest of all of our live shows because... You know, it's just there's interesting animals out there, and you know a lot of people. John are, draws a crowd too. John, John's really yeah, good. He's great. So yeah. we'll have John McGregor and Kate Slankard on as our two uh, experts on the panel, and we'll be going live and fielding Facebook questions and Instagram questions, and that'll be live broadcast on Tuesday the 18th at 8:30, and then we will also run that on KT for next week's show, one hour, so 8:30 to about 9:30 next Tuesday. And we'll start, we're going to be promoting that over the next week. But Where are you going to do it? Right here? It's going to be at Salado. Okay. We're going to do it from inside Salado. We've uh, Podcast listeners, somebody needs to slip a, a good Bigfoot question in for John. He's oh, yeah. very much a, a Bigfoot aficionado. So yeah. If you can get past the, the, the question screeners, he, he's well, a good we'll, one. We'll let one slide. He, he, yeah. he, it's a knowledge of whatever end of the spectrum you're on to hear him talk it's all it's fun i so. guess that bigfoot qualifies as a non-game species right? it's mm -hmm. not a lot yeah well i guess so yeah. 
Well, that's because Rachel was on the podcast telling us about... And nobody's ever gotten one, so we'll Bigfoot say it's on, <laughs> They were looking for Bigfoot on Taylorsville. Oh, right? I told you, I ran into the world champion Bigfoot hunter. On oh, hey, Taylorsville? No, at Otter Creek. Hmm. He was out at Otter Creek Park looking for him, and he had a Bigfoot hat on, and I started talking to him. He said he's actually the world champion Bigfoot hunter. <laughs> Ask him if he found him. He said, not yet. Good <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. stories, though. Yeah. How, stories. how he became world champion, I'm I don't sure. know. I don't You've know never I'm seen a, one at... I don't know if I'm allowed to plug another podcast. You can cut me off no, if not. It, man. We were talking about the hip information earlier. Yeah. DU has a great podcast right now with a buddy of mine, a, uh, Dr. Mike Brazier, hosts that podcast. And uh, if you're a duck hunter and want to understand the ins and outs of how regulations are come about or how surveys are run, and specifically he has several good episodes that explain yeah. what the HIP program is, yeah. why nationwide it's so important, because each individual state is different and how they institute their HIP program. So I would recommend checking out Mike's podcast, DU's uh, podcast, you can find that stuff. Ducks and Unlimited. Ducks Unlimited's podcast, yep. They've yeah. had two seasons, they're on the season two now, and they're short and easy to listen to, so, uh, there Check those out. I have uh, one of their coolers in my house. Okay. Well, not one of theirs. I'm sure they didn't make it, but it's got their branding slapped on. Sure, it. yeah. So I will. Uh, I'll remember that just because I'll see that cooler when I open up the garage next. Anything from you, Lee? Anything else? Um, I just glad we. I want to talk about the mentor fields. We've talked about fishing. Also, check your gun. Make sure everything's working. You know, clean yep. your shotgun up, oil it up. It's a good thing to do right before the season starts. And yep. you know, if it's a new gun, pattern it before you go yeah. out. Yep. West, I mean, anything? You know, just use a paper plate. Yeah. Anything from you, Wes? No, y'all keep fishing. I'm uh -huh. in the garden, so bring, oh, yeah. bring me some fish. <laughs> bring, bring, <laughs> us, bring us some veggies. Trade you tomatoes veggies, and squash, okra, whatever you like. You know, my neighbor has a garden, and he uh, he sets. We have a fence, a privacy fence, and he uh, sets tomatoes on the privacy fence for us every day. So that's kind of nice. No doubt. Yep. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate appreciate you coming in, Wes. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. Lee, thanks again. No problem, brother. See you guys.